Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. I thank you uh, again for the challenge that it gives us in, uh, in the relationships that we have, yet also in how we're called uh, to, be, to be more like you and to love like you love. I pray today, Lord, as, as we dig in once again um, to a reconciler's journey, may we, may we be led and guided by your spirit because we need it. We need it in difficult conversations, and we need it um, <laughs> because we are in need. So help us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you know that Jesus himself had many radical te- teachings, uh, teachings that <clears throat> challenged people since the time that they were spoken. I mean, if you look at the teachings of Jesus and the reaction of people, uh, some of Jesus' radical teachings upset the religious people of that time. It, we typically see this out of religious people anyways. They seem to get upset about the silliest little things. And Jesus' teaching upset some people. Yet at the same time, that teaching attracted thousands of people. All different kinds of people, not just one little segment. People wanted to hear the things that he had to say. And some of them were very radical. Let me give you one example here. Jesus is teaching about anger. Maybe you've heard this before. And he says, if somebody comes and strikes you in the face, to not just hit them back, but to turn the other cheek. You've heard this teaching before? Well, it gets even more radical because it continues here in Matthew 5. Jesus says this, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Jesus says, first be reconciled, be made right to your brother and then come offer your gift. This is radical. And especially for the time of what Jesus was like speaking into. He's speaking into a time where the people would come and bring a gift to the temple. Solomon's temple in particular in Jerusalem. They would come every couple of years and they would offer the prescribed gift for the sin that they had committed. And they would bring it to this place right here. You can see where the red square is. And they would bring it to the altar. And generally, there would be a long line of people waiting to come and offer their gift. But Jesus says this, that if you have a problem with your neighbor, with your brother, leave your gift there and go and be reconciled to them first. This is radical. Before you come to church, make sure you're right with your brother and sister. 
See, what Jesus is doing here is something so beautiful. What he's doing is he's connecting our relationship with him into how we treat one another. And we see this in Jesus' teaching all over the place. He would say, the two greatest commandments that I give you are this, to love God and to love one another. This is absolutely radical. He says, before you give that gift, the altar, make sure things are right with your brother. Make sure they're reconciled. And if you know, as we've been going through the series, we've been talking about this idea of reconciliation is that two uh, locks need to be unlocked. This door needs to be opened for reconciliation to happen. Miroslav Volf says that we need justice and forgiveness. These things need to happen for the door to be opened. So the question I guess that I have for you today is, does anybody need to leave church? Some of you are kind of moving, (laughs) right? It's kind of crazy. Now, I'm glad that nobody moved. I'm sure that if we were to be completely honest here, we'd be like, yep, I need to get out of here, right? But but there's something more to Jesus' teaching that he gives us that you and I really need to hear today as we go and seek out reconciliation because he gives us deeper instruction of what this looks like. Because I'm fully aware here that when we talk about reconciliation and we talk about uh, relationships that we have with other people, the, the issues that we have with other people are very deep. You might be willing to say, like, my beef, my problem with somebody else is bigger than just one conversation. (laughs) This isn't going to be handled in like a 15-minute, I'm sorry, you're sorry, hey, we're all okay. No, the reality is, is that reconciliation is a really difficult thing to achieve. And that, that the hurt and the pain that others have given us has affected us today, has given us a limp today as to how we look at ourselves and how we look at relationships with other people. So before you go and offer reconciliation and desire to restore things the way they're supposed to be, I really need you to hear this teaching of Jesus as well because it will change the way that you look at those relationships. Today, we're continuing this series called A Reconciler's Journey, because we acknowledge that reconciliation is a journey. Anybody with me on that? It's not something that's so easy, that can be easily achieved. And in these last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, in week number one, we said that we need to name and embrace. Remember, I had you write the name of somebody on your announcement sheet, that we need to name the people that we need to take on this journey. And instead of just throwing this away, we are going to say, hey, I'm going to embrace this journey of reconciliation. And last week, Pastor Mark was here with us, and he talked about this concept of repentance. And repentance is something that we hold to in the Christian faith. 
acknowledging that the brokenness that exists in this world doesn't always have a clear victim or oppressor. It's really messy when we have this brokenness that exists, but we should embrace the life of turning to God's direction, which is what repentance is, choosing to go a different way. Today, I'm really glad you're here because we need to hear that as we go on this journey of reconciliation, we need to gain perspective and we need to go wisely into these conversations and into these difficult places and spaces because this is how Jesus would instruct you to do it. Now, throughout this series, we've been looking at this example of Jacob and Esau. They're two brothers, twins, and there's a lot of family drama. And unless you were asleep during the reading here this morning, you heard a lot of drama that was happening. All right, Sony read us these words in Genesis 27, verse 41. We read that things are getting heated between Jacob and Esau. Now, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now, uh, Jacob's name means deceiver. And, and what has happened, last week we talked about this, is that Jacob deceived his, his father to receive the blessing that was for Esau. You're saying, well, why does that even matter? Who cares? Well, what it would have meant back in that day is that now Jacob would receive a greater inheritance than his brother Esau. It would be like today if you somehow manipulated the system that you got your parents to give you a bigger portion of the inheritance than your brothers or sisters. If you're Esau in this story, you'd be mad too, all right? He's so mad that he's saying, I'm waiting for my dad to die, and then I'm going to go kill Jacob. That's how deep his anger is. And so we read that then it continues that Rebecca, the mom, hears about this, right? And she favors Jacob a little bit. We've read in the story. And she says this to Jacob. She says, now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran. She goes to Jacob and says, hey, go to your uncle's house. <laughs> Get out of here and stay with him for a while until your brother's fury turns away. And Jacob flees this situation and goes off to Haran. So much so we read that he's gone now for 20 years. He's at his uncle's. Some of you aren't even 20 that are here at church today. That's your lifetime. Yeah, I'm talking to you, EJ. All right? This, this beef, this issue and problem is a journey. And if you've misinterpreted what we've talked about in this series to say that this is something so easy and simple, I'm sorry, we've portrayed that wrong. This series, this understanding of reconciliation is a journey. It will take time. Now, let's be obviously clear here. This story between Jacob and Esau uh, this is not a good example, all right? 
This isn't like, yeah, I can resonate with that. that. This is perfect. This is what it's like between my brother. No, no, no. This isn't the example that the Bible calls us to follow. Let's be very clear on that. God doesn't desire or want you to go kill somebody, okay? This isn't the example that he wants for us. But I will say that we can oftentimes relate with this example, we know what this example is like because maybe today you're like, you're like Jacob. You're on the run. You fleed a really difficult situation. Or, or maybe you're like Esau and you're like, man, if that person shows up to church today, it's not gonna be good for Trinity Gale Wood. <laughs> right? I mean, we get this story. So, so what, can we, what can we learn from it? Well, I think we can learn that a reconciler's journey needs a healthy perspective. That as we go into reconciliation, we need a healthy perspective of how we enter and engage in these kinds of conversations. And truthfully, I couldn't think of a better person to lean into First, being Jesus, but then as an interpretation of Jesus' words, then the person that we're going to celebrate tomorrow in our nation, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., one who had to deal with some incredibly difficult circumstances, speaking to a group of people, preaching actually to a group of people in a time in our society where there is deep divide, anger, racism. And, and, and Dr. King, I rediscovered the sermon that he wrote many years ago. He talks about this incredible understanding that as we go into moments of reconciliation, having a healthy perspective on what this ultimately looks like. And Dr. King would understand that he was preaching to a group of people that certainly wanted to fight wanted revenge, and yet also was preaching to a group of people who wanted to flee, who didn't want to handle and deal with the situation. And the teaching that Dr. King leans into is the teaching I want us to lean into today. It comes from Matthew chapter 10. And there are incredible words of Jesus that sometimes we overlook. Look at them here in Matthew 10. Jesus is teaching his disciples in fact, one of the incredible things about Jesus' ministry is that not only did he teach and give us a bunch of knowledge, but he also like put it into practice. And so if you read his story or the gospel stories of his life, you read that he has these moments where he sends out his disciples. And this is one of those moments. He's taught them and now he's sending them out. And in Matthew chapter 10, we read this, that Jesus says, behold, I, Jesus, am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Seriously. If you don't understand the analogy because you live in Chicago and you've never seen a sheep or a wolf, all right, what he's saying is this, that you don't want to be a sheep because you are lunch, dinner, dessert, I'm starving, I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat you according to a wolf, 
all right? This is not a good scenario to be put into. And this is what Jesus is saying. Behold, I am going to be sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And, and maybe, maybe as we talk about reconciliation, maybe this is how you felt coming in here. Feeling like, man, I don't want to hear what this guy has to say. If that's you, I really want you to hear the next statement that Jesus says. Because it is profound and beautiful. He says this. As I send you out, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Jesus says, as I'm sending you out, I want you to hold on to these two things, to be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. He's giving his disciples a perspective that as they go out into difficult conversations, into difficult spaces and places, he says, I need you to hold on to these two things, to be wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. Dr. King would say it this way, and they're words that I want us to hang on to. He would say this, you have to gain perspective and reconciliation in two ways. To one, have a tough mind, and two, to have a tender heart. A tough mind and a tender heart. And I wanna just lean into those two things here. What does it mean to have a tough mind? Uh, sometimes we wrongly assume that, uh, that reconciliation just means that we get taken advantage of. That's not what reconciliation is. Or that we should not think of it and just forget it or forget about the past. No, we need to deal with the things that have happened in the past for us to move forward. And so to have a tough mind, the first thing, I got three of them on both sides here, all right? I would love for you to write these down. The first one is this. To have a tough mind is to be wise, to beware of false propaganda. Simply said, don't be gullible. Think. Have a tough mind as you are having reconciling moments. Let me give you an example, all right? Um, <clears throat> when Gretchen and I uh, were first married, uh, we, and before we had kids, we used to have those like Saturdays where you could sleep in till like 10 a.m., right? These were great days. And, uh, and we used to love like Hardy's breakfast, all right? Those were also great days when I could eat whatever I wanted, right? And so uh, it was one Saturday morning, drove out uh, to Hardy's, and, uh, and I was at a stoplight. I was turning left onto a major road. It was like a 50-mile-an-hour road. And uh, there was two lanes, and as I got the arrow, I turned left, and as I veered into my lane, I kind of just like naturally went into the right lane, you know, the two lanes there, and out of nowhere, somebody came and boom, hit the side of my car, right? Put this tiny little dent on the side, the person pulled over, we were on the side of the road, and, uh, and we were just talking. And as we were talking, the guy uh, just 
like was talking really fast. I could tell he was really nervous and all that sorts of stuff. And, and I was just like, well, where'd you come from, blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, oh, you didn't see me? I had an, a light and all that. And I was just like, I don't know. Have you had one of these awkward conversations before, right? And so it turns into this thing where he's like, listen, I'm late for work. I gotta get out of here. I don't have like a cell phone on me or anything like that. I can't like really give you my information, but I can tell you that I work at Parkside Grill, just, you know, the one like right over blankety blank, right? And like, um, if you, I'm on my way to work. I'll be there all night. If you come later tonight, I promise that if you eat a meal there, I'll pay for it and I'll give you all of my insurance information, but I just got to go. In my head, I was like, this is great. Not only am I going to get Hardee's, I'm going to be able to go home and tell my wife that I got dinner as well lined up for us. This is awesome. So the guy goes off, no, you know, big deal, blah, blah, blah. I come home, explain it to my wife. She rolls her eyes like she is right now. And, and we go to dinner at this place we eat our meal. I explained to the waitress, hey, uh, this guy John is supposed to be here in the kitchen. He says he's worked in the kitchen for years. You know, he's going to pay for my meal, and I got to talk to him because he hit my car. The waitress looks at me and goes, there's no John who works here. Like, like oh, this is not good. Be wise. having a tough mind. Beware of false propaganda. Don't be dumb or gullible, right? Use your head. Think. God has given you the ability to think. Think. The second thing is this. To have a tough mind means to not be afraid of change. Oftentimes, we just settle that that's the way things are. This is the way it's always been. And oftentimes we use this of being afraid of change as the reason that we don't change things or we just settle for that's how our relationship is supposed to be. But oftentimes what happens in those moments is we, un- we settle for unhealthy uh, parts of a relationship and it's out of that fear of change that we're not having a tough mind to be willing to ask the difficult question. To have the courage to speak up and say, hey, this needs to be different. To have a tough mind is to be wise, but also not afraid of change. One last thing here. To have a tough mind also means that we examine the facts before acting. Dr. King would have this great image. He would say this, that oftentimes in our society, we prejudge instead of postjudge. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody, I think, needs to hear this today. We, we prejudge situations instead of post-judge them. We, we don't examine the facts. We just assume that we know stuff. We don't ask questions or desire to learn. We go in like pretending like we've got it all figured out. But when we do so, we're having a soft mind. A tough mind is willing to ask the question to learn to examine the facts and then say, I'm not gonna go down that bad path again. That I learn to examine it, to post-judge instead of pre-judge. But Jesus and Dr. King would say, it's not just about having a tough mind or to be as wise as serpents. He would also hold in the tension that you need to be 
as innocent as doves or to have a tender heart, to keep these things in tension. Three quick things here. To have a tender heart means to be willing to love, to not push others away. It can be easy that as we get burned, that, uh, that we close off from the world. Holding on to this tender heart is another part that we're willing to love. Uh, Paul in the Bible in Ephesians 4.32 would say this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Our tenderness for one another comes out of the love that God has given us first. And we're called to show that to others. Secondly, that we would see people as people. To have a tender heart means that, that we see people as people, not as objects to be used for our own benefit. Sometimes we fall into this tendency to use people for gain, to advance in a career, uh, to get rich quick, or just to use somebody and forget about the people that we step over in the process. I'm afraid that we live in a society and time too where we just use people for pleasure. We don't see people as people, as God's created, being created in the image of God. And lastly, that we think of more than just yourself. To have a tender heart certainly thinks about you, but also is willing to think of more than just you. Life is not all about you. You are called to be in relationship with others and to think of more than just yourself. Now, these principles are in play. And Dr. King would teach this to a group of people. Jesus would teach this to a group of people and ultimately, Jesus would show and live this out of having a tough mind and a tender heart. I, I love this statement. This is a direct quote from that sermon. Dr. King said that Jesus is tough-minded enough to transcend the world. He's tender-hearted enough to live in it. He does not leave us alone in our agonies and struggles. He seeks us in dark places and suffers with us and is for us. This tough-mindedness and tender-heartedness comes from the example of who Jesus is, ultimately shown in the most unbelievable way by him taking the journey to the cross, entering into this world, dying on our behalf, saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Out of tender love, and tough-mindedness, he himself entered into the midst of wolves. So, so as you go, and as you are challenged by Jesus to be reconciled with your brother and sister, I need you to go with an understanding 
It's not that you just get walked over. It's not that you stop thinking or that you go out of revenge. I want you to go as Jesus instructed his disciples to go. To go with a tough mind, yet also a tender heart. To be wise, to be aware of false propaganda, to not be afraid of change, to examine the facts before acting, but to be willing to love, to see people as people, and to think of more than just yourself. Not acting out of revenge or just fleeing, but out of tenderness and out of a tough mind. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're a God who gives us incredible instruction around difficult times. And oftentimes, we, we just settle for the easy. I, I, Lord, I know that you're, you're not one who just was an example of that. You were one who entered into difficult, messy situations. I pray, God, as a community of people, that as we learn what it means to be reconciled to each other, out of the reconciliation that you've given us, I pray that we would hold these things in tension, that we would go wisely, yet also go out of love. So as we prayed at the beginning, may your spirit lead us in that journey as it led you. In Jesus' name, amen.